0: We're continuing our, our series on, on the Holy Spirit today, and last week we looked at the, the identity of the Holy Spirit, we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is, is, is a person. Uh, he has feelings, he's not a, a force, he's not, not just some, some strange force out there, uh, and he's divine. He's, he's the third member of the Trinity. He, he is God, uh, just as God the Father and God the Son. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as as the paraclete, the counsellor, the one uh, who comes alongside to help, the one who comes uh, to bring us in. Today we want to look at uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we saw the identity. Who is the Holy Spirit? Today we want to see? What what, what does he do? What's the role of this Holy Spirit whom Jesus uh, left? And we're going to look at a few different passages. We we actually could read the same passage we read last week. We're not going to do that. I'm going to look at a few different passages. I'll put them up on the screen, uh, most of them anyway, so you can can follow them through so we're not jumping backwards and forwards. Uh, But let's see if we can work out just for a few minutes together what it is that the Holy Spirit does. Why did Jesus leave us the Holy Spirit, leave his disciples and then leave us uh, his Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit opens blind eyes. Uh, Jesus said, when he comes, uh, he will convict the world of, of, of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Or he will expose the guilt of the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. In our modern secular world, many people are very dismissive of the idea of sin. If you talk about sin in your work or uh, among your friends, people say, well, what is this sin? What is this old-fashioned idea? Uh, And most people don't have any idea of uh, sin or holiness. Uh, We've been speaking and singing of a holy God or the idea that one day they may have to to give an account to, to God. But the Holy Spirit opens minds which Satan has closed. Here's what Paul said writing to the Corinthians, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The Holy Spirit convinces people. The Holy Spirit helps people see differently. It's the Holy Spirit that opens people's minds so that they can see sin and they need they can see their need of salvation. Helps them see clearly. Maybe they have a vague idea of, of, of God. Uh, but the Holy Spirit helps them see clearly. I wonder if you've ever taken a photograph uh, inside somewhere, and, and maybe with your camera, and the flash hasn't gone off. And when you see it later, you see the, the, the faces, you can see, you can see the outlines, but you can't really see clearly. It seems a bit dim. Um, and if you take that same picture again with the flash, then you see the faces clearly, you see everything clearly. It's, it's a bit like that with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we talk about someone having a light bulb moment, don't we? Um, suddenly understanding something. I can remember um, many times teaching chemistry. Um, other subjects are available. Uh, maybe not worth studying, but they are available. Um, and I remember teaching chemistry. and maybe trying to explain something, something, something to a, a young person, and they just didn't, didn't get it, and you know, round the, different ways. And suddenly the penny dropped. And they got it. One of the the, the pleasures of teaching, just seeing somebody suddenly understand. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, He helps people suddenly see, suddenly understand, suddenly see the reality uh, of of their spiritual need. If you're a believer today, if you're a Christian, it's because at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit helped you to see clearly what the Christian faith is about what the Christian message is about you may have made a decision to, to follow Christ at some point in your life you have made that decision of whether young or old that, that you're going to be a follower of Jesus but that's because the Holy Spirit has prompted you, the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel and you see that's a big encouragement to us as we try to persuade others, Paul said that we should try and persuade others and as you speak to people in your work or speak to friends or whatever and they just seem indifferent, they seem hard and they seem to be completely uninterested well then, you must pray that the Holy Spirit will do uh, His work. The Holy Spirit will open their hearts, because you know you and I can have all the clever arguments, and we, we think we've made this so clear. What could we do to make it clearer? Uh, but the God of this mind is blinded. The God of this world is blinded. The eyes of people—they can't, they just can't see. They don't get it. So we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work. Jesus said that He, the Holy Spirit, will testify about me, and you also must testify. So Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will do his work. You have your part to play. We have our part to play. You've got to speak to those people in your work and and your family and and try to make it plain. When you get opportunities without preaching at at them all the time, try to to explain to help them understand. But, you know, the the cleverest argument you have won't change a heart. You need to be praying at the same time that God, the Holy Spirit, uh, will, will change hearts. Our role is to share what we believe, and the Holy Spirit's role is to convict people of sin. To show people their need of sin, and then the Holy Spirit, secondly, brings about new birth. Jesus said, "No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again." He said that to Nicodemus who came uh, inquiring. Sometimes we talk about a born again Christian, and it has kind of, for some, in some ways, negative connotations. We maybe think of the slick American TV evangelist with the Armani suit. Uh, and it's kind of a negative thought, or we may think of the aggressive street preacher with the placard saying, "You must be born again," and people have this idea, born again Christian, it's something not, but makes them a bit uncomfortable. And the media certainly love to hear of a born-again Christian caught up in some, uh, some crime or other, you know, embezzling money from their work or whatever. And you see it written in the paper, you know, so-and-so is being convicted of, of stealing money. You know, a born-again Christian. And it's almost that, you know, oh, the, 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 these, these people who think that they're superior in some way. But you see, Scripture knows of no other sort of Christian. Um, you're either born again or you're spiritually dead. That's what Scripture clearly says. It's not about living in a Christian country or having Christian parents or going along to church. It's about a spiritual rebirth. It's about starting again. And it's only the Holy Spirit can bring that about. Now, Jesus says this to a senior Pharisee, a man who's a member of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. He was religious, he was moral, he was educated, he was courteous, he was polite to Jesus but he still needed to be born again. And maybe you can think of of nice people you know, lovely friends or neighbours or colleagues, who are really nice, upright, good citizens. But if they haven't been born again, then they're spiritually dead. And they need that work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Jesus said to Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Born naturally and then reborn, born of, of the Holy Spirit see, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts of sin, who, who helps people understand what sin is, and who brings them to new life, to, to new birth. When we acknowledge our sin and, and turn to God in repentance through Jesus, then we literally start again. Here so Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And we were praying earlier that God would forgive us our sins. We still have that That. Sinful uh, nature, uh, that tendency to sin, but spiritually we are born again. We are new creations. The old has gone. Whatever whatever the past may have held, uh, whatever may have been in our lives before, ha- has gone. In God's eyes, we are starting again. And it's important to remember that um, we're we're only spiritually alive through faith. Uh, we're spurred your life through faith in God, through God's Holy Spirit working in us. Not, not because of good things we do or, or, or trying to reach God's standard. We, we can never do that. Only as God's Holy Spirit works in us can we be born again. I what, wonder what, what about you today? Has that been your experience? Have you acknowledged your sin and, and turned to God in repentance? Because if you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you feel that's something you should do, then that is the Spirit saying to you, you need to be born again. It doesn't matter how good a person you are. There's no one so good that they don't need to be saved. It doesn't matter how bad you are, what things you're worried about in the past. There's no one uh, so sinful that they can't be forgiven. The Holy Spirit brings new birth, a fresh start, which is available to all who call on God through the Lord Jesus. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit teaches truth. Jesus actually calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. He says, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, Jesus taught his disciples for, for those years of ministry with varying degrees of success because we know that Jesus would teach the disciples and next minute they'd be doing something stupid uh, and he'd be despairing of them. So he, he did teach them, but he knew there was much that remained to be taught. There was lots of, that they would need to know after he returned to heaven. There was lots that they would still need to know and the Holy Spirit would continue that task. The Holy Spirit would continue that task of teaching Jesus' followers after he was no longer <clears throat> bodily with them. And he said this, The counselor will teach you all things, and here's an important word, and remind you of everything I've said to you. So Jesus said, Once i return returned to heaven, you're going to start to forget things. Some of these things I've taught you, you're going to forget, and the Holy Spirit will remind you when I'm no longer here. And of course, what we have in our gospel accounts wasn't written until later in the first century. And the Holy Spirit reminded those writers of the important things and they wrote down about the miracles and the teachings and the the, the activities of Jesus' life. They wrote them down for us. So the Holy Spirit reminded them, inspired them to write. And and we have the the Scripture today. That's why we say that Scripture was written by by men, by people. They wrote down under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit as he guided them and reminded them of those things. And we now have the Scripture today. That's why we, we need to study Scripture. Because we have the very words of Jesus, which the Holy Spirit reminded the writers to write down and can remind us of Jesus' teaching. Uh, when we need to be reminded of what uh, something about our Christian faith, we have it here in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit can use that to open our eyes and to teach us uh, and to help Jesus be, be real to us, to, to help us to fully understand. <clears throat> And he helps us also to understand God's plans for his world, to understand what's going on, to understand the sin, to understand what, what, what's happening in our world. H.G. Uh, Wells wrote a novel, a story, a short, short story called The Country of the Blind. And it's about people living in a remote uh, valley, isolated from all the rest of the world, who are, they're all blind. Due to some genetic disorder, every one of them is blind. Uh, to them, blindness is normal. They, they have no idea uh, of this concept of sight. They have no idea what, what, what sight is. Well, one day a mountaineer uh, stumbled upon the valley discovered this people and its inhabitants, and they think he's really abnormal uh, because he keeps talking about, about vision and sight. They think he's completely mad. Well, what is this he's talking about, about, being able to see things? He's clearly not right in the head. And they decide that the only solution is to put out these eyes that he's talking about so then he'll be normal like all the rest of them. It's <clears throat> actually a good illustration of how the world looks at Christians. The world looks at Christians in general as if you're mad. What, what is this you're talking about, faith and sin? What, what is that? Uh, you should you should forget all that and become normal like the rest of us. And you see, Paul says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit because they are foolishness to him and he can't understand them. And that's why as you speak to the people, they just think, well, we just don't get this. Because it just seems that they are, are it's just nonsense. Just like those people who couldn't see thought that the sighted mountaineer was talking nonsense. Well, What is this he's talking about? And Paul goes on, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolishness. Here's what he writes as well in First Corinthians chapter 20. I haven't put this verse up. Sorry, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world where's the philosopher, Paul says where are all these smart people who just don't get it Well, what about our day, the scientist the the psychologist, the the sociologist the film star, the sports personality the pop idol, the the mindfulness guru all these people who who, who know so much who who want to to, to share their wisdom with us Uh, and to many of those people our faith is foolishness it's nonsense, what is this you're talking about well God the Holy Spirit helps us see the truth understand the truth, know that it is the truth Um, many of those people just can't they they can't uh, get the truth they can't cope with the truth of of the gospel I don't know if if you've seen the film A A Few Good Men uh, where Tom Cruise is the prosecutor and he's uh, he's challenging Colonel Jessup who's accused of plotting the the death of, of a young American Marine, I hope we can see one wee tiny clip of it here Colonel Jessup you don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's what's true of so many people out in our, in our society. They can't handle the truth. They, they can't cope with the truth of the gospel. Uh, and yet uh, the Holy Spirit is there to open their eyes and to let them see the truth of the gospel. The Holy Spirit teaches truth to believers, and he opens people's eyes to the truth of the gospel. That's why Paul uh, says, oh, have I missed one here? Oh, no, yes, yeah, I've got one I haven't put down here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, My message and my teaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. And that's why, as we speak to people, they maybe just don't get it. We've got to to share and we've got to speak to them. We've got to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. Because to most people that you meet day by day, it it just seems like nonsense. It just seems to be completely unbelievable. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit deepens our relationship with God. Helping us not not just to, to know more about Jesus, But to actually know him as a person. If you're first introduced to someone, maybe a new colleague in work or or a new neighbour or or whatever, it takes you a while to get to know them. You you may say hello, and uh, you you gradually, over the time, you get to know a bit more about them. You you learn to to understand them a wee bit more. And it's the same when the Holy Spirit introduces someone to Jesus. Someone first becomes a Christian. Uh, They need to learn more, they need to get to to know Jesus more. Uh, The Holy Spirit knows the Father and He knows the Son intimately. he's the third person of the Trinity from all eternity with God the Father and and the Son he knows them and he helps our relationship grow this is what uh, Jesus himself said now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent not not just a head knowledge we always pray for the children as they go out to to junior church that they're not just learn stories about Jesus which is good that they do but that they learn to know him that they come to know him we need to know Jesus more. We need to know him more deeply. We need to know him more intimately. <clears throat> you know, It's possible to be an academic, maybe a professor of theology or whatever, and to know all sorts of things about God, uh, and yet not to know him. There are those who have studied theology just the way they might study history or philosophy or anything else, and they know everything about God inside out, back to front, but, but they just don't know him. The Holy Spirit comes to make him known so that we may know him more, know Jesus more as a friend. Uh, People who follow the teachings of Muhammad or Buddha uh, don't claim to know Muhammad or Buddha personally. They they make no such claim. They, They want to follow their teachings. But they've no way of knowing those people whom they never met. Well, we've never met Jesus, but we can meet him through the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity whom he left to walk beside us. The Holy Spirit came to help us to know Jesus more, to deepen our relationship with God, and finally, the Holy Spirit reassures us of our salvation. He reassures us that we are God's children. It's very easy to feel threatened by, by the wise men of today. It's very easy to feel threatened when you read of scientists or philosophers or whatever and, and they deride the Christian faith and their arguments seem so convincing. And they, you, you begin to doubt and you begin to say, have I, have I got this right? Am, am, I, am I really right? Am I, or am I uh, l- l- like the, the person who, who claimed to have eyes when all the rest were blind? Sometimes we can feel like um, we're the blind one. But we need to remember that those people are actually in darkness. They're like the people in the valley who, who, who couldn't see. Um, and the Holy Spirit brings us reassurance that we're part of God's family. He, he dispels those doubts that can creep in. Sometimes those doubts, I think there's none of us can say that at some time in our lives, we didn't, we didn't have a doubt. Is, is, this, is, this, is this right? Am I really forgiven? Am I really God's child? Have I got this right? Is this all True. Here's what Paul says, writing to the Galatians. When the time had fully come, God sent a son born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of a son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. See, God has given us the full rights of adopted sons, uh, that's important that we, we say that there. Only sons could inherit back in Jesus' day. That's why it says sons, not, not, not sons and daughters. Uh, we have, as adopted sons, adopted children into God's family, we have the same right as the sons had adopted sons back in Jesus' day. An adopted son had the same rights as, uh, uh, as uh, a natural son. And that's why Paul could say, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with, with Christ. Whether we're male or female today, we have the same rights as sons had, adopted sons, back in the days of Jesus. Everything that is God's is promised to us. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that. The Holy Spirit is the down payment. He's the one who promises that Jesus will return. He's the one that promises, that assures us that our faith it is true that, that one day uh, we will go and know Jesus personally. Here's what Paul says again: Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Like you might go into a shop and pay a deposit on something. That's that's the guarantee that you'll come back and make make the payments and take whatever it is, or you pay a deposit on a house or, or or whatever. And Paul also says that God anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit into our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit living in you uh, shows you, convinces you again, when you begin to doubt, shows you again that that you're God's child and that you have every right uh, of inheritance just as the sons did back in Jesus' day. In the genealogy at the start of Luke's Gospel, uh, uh, Adam is, is referred to as the son of God. And he was was the son of God, uh, the first created to have a relationship with God. But then that relationship was spoiled, spoiled by sin, spoiled by by rebellion. that affected all of humanity. That affected all of us. And Isaiah wrote, your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from God. Your sins have separated you uh, from God. But now through faith... Uh, That relationship has been restored and we can call God Abba, Father the the, the Aramaic word, that that intimate word that that children use of their father we have that right Uh, and sometimes Satan would would make us doubt would want to snatch that thought away from us, there was a documentary a good number of years ago now, a very heart wrenching documentary about children waiting in care, hoping to be adopted and every so often a child would go out and spend a day, maybe a Saturday with with a, a prospective family uh, to see how things went, and so on. And one wee boy back at the home drew a picture of himself with, with uh, what he hoped would be his new mom and dad. He was just longing to be adopted, longing to be adopted into a loving uh, family with loving parents. And that—if you're a Christian—that's what you are. You've been adopted into God's family, just as Jesus is God's true Son. We are adopted as God's sons and daughters with all the rights of inheritance. And the Holy Spirit promises us that. When, when Satan would make us doubt, when, when things in our life happen and we, we wonder, what is God in this? The Holy Spirit assures us you know, you are God's sons and daughters. Whatever the past may have held, whatever is going on in our lives, that is absolutely true. We're still very aware of our sin. Our sin can make us doubt. Satan loves to say, I say, see what you've done now. Look what you said. See what you're thinking. How could you possibly be a child of God? The Holy Spirit says, no, you're, 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 you're bought with a price. Uh, you're God's son. You're God's daughter. He reassures us. You know the, the song we sing before the throne of God above has those lines, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Satan sometimes tempts us to despair. Uh, he, he makes us doubt our faith. He makes us look at the world around us and think, you know, have I got this right? I, I, maybe all these people are right after all. The Holy Spirit who is the guarantee, the deposit, says in our hearts, no, you are God's son, God's daughter, uh, and God will fulfill all his promises in you. He says, it's not about how we feel our feelings can differ from day to day. Feelings can differ from person to person. I'm a father. I don't feel like a father. What does it, it feel like to be a father? What does it feel like to be a son? But you're a father or a son or a, 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 a daughter or whatever relationship you are with your family. Because of that relationship, it's not, not because of how you feel, not because of, of what you feel. One day, we may not feel like parents or children, but that relationship is unchanging, no matter how we feel. There are days we... we we can feel our our faith is difficult and the Holy Spirit reminds us "says No, it's not what you feel if you've been born again then you're a new creation and Satan has no right to tell you otherwise now that's no reason for pride or superiority it's not something we earned it's not something we deserved but it's a reason for confidence it's a reason for confidence it's a reason that you can go into your work or or your college or whatever and be confident that, that you are a believer and confident that you are right because God's Holy Spirit tells you in your heart. See, not, not, not for pride, not, not to be looking down on other people, but equally not to be uh, threatened by them. See, Jesus knew when he left the disciples that they would need his Holy Spirit. They were fearful, they were locked away in the, 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 the upper room for a while after Jesus had been crucified. Uh, even after he'd risen, they were, they were uncertain what's going to happen. Uh, will the authorities come looking for us? They needed the Holy Spirit to help them. So the Holy Spirit opens blind eyes, he helps people out there see the truth. And you should be praying for those friends and colleagues and, and neighbours. those People that you're speaking to and trying to share your faith with. That, that just seem so uninterested. Pray that God will open their eyes. Pray that God will bring them to new birth. I Pray that God will bring them to realise that there, there is forgiveness and that there's new life. Pray that God will open their eyes to the truth that he will open our eyes to the truth of the gospel and that he will help us to know that truth deepen our hearts to be, uh, to be assured of it, to be certain that, that what we believe is true uh, and that we, the Holy Spirit will, will deepen our relationship with, with, with God, with the Lord Jesus. Help us to, to get to know them better, not just to have a, as, as a vague head knowledge and we, we come to church on a Sunday, but to get to know them day by day, walking with them. And when Satan wants us to doubt uh, and when the world throws things at us that, that almost shake our faith, the Holy Spirit gives us that assurance and says, no, you're God's son. You're, you're God's daughter. Not, not because of anything you've done. Not because you deserve to be. But because uh, you have turned to God through Jesus uh, uh, by faith and have been born again. All, all the past is gone. This, this sin, There's no condemnation uh, for you now. The sin is forgiven. And that's God, the Holy Spirit, who works in us and through us. And the Holy Spirit has to continue his work. He continues to work. We all need his work. We need that paraclete, that counselor, walking beside us day by day, helping us. Uh, And part of his job is is what the the theologians would call, a big word, sanctification, making us holier. We talked about holiness at the start of our service. Uh, We will never be holy as God is holy. But part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus, to sanctify us, to make us holier. And that should be evident in our lives. If you and I are believers, people should be able to see, people in our work, people we meet with day by day, should be able to see something different in us. And if they don't, then there's something wrong. Uh, And next week, uh, we're going to be looking at what is often called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There should be fruit born in our lives. People should be able to look at us and say, do you know what? That person says they're a Christian. I can see the difference that that faith makes to them. I can see it in their lives. And Aaron's going to lead us next week as we look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit what should that look like in the life of a believer? If I'm a believer, what should people be able to see in me? How should God's presence in me be manifest in my behaviour? We see a bit more of that next week. At the end of our service today, as always, there's an opportunity for prayer. If you'd like someone to pray with you, maybe, maybe, maybe Satan has been tempting you. Maybe he's been he's been uh, making you doubt. Maybe there's discouragement in your life, uh, or maybe you'd just like to find out more about what it is to be a follower of Jesus what, what is this about being born again well if you, if you want to go into the prayer room out through the door to, the, to the, uh, you're right there be people there are happy to share with you or pray with you or find me at the end of the service down at the back again I'd be very happy to, to chat with you about any of these things at all because those are the facts of the gospel that Jesus came and died for us so that we could be born again and have new life in him and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to assure us of that and to help us as we walk with him day by day. Let's take a moment to pray again together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you knew that on our own we we could never survive uh, in a fallen, cynical world. And we thank you that you you did leave your Holy Spirit. Thank you that he indwells us in a way in which we can, uh, with our human minds, scarcely understand but we thank you that you've given him to be our, our counsellor, to be our helper, to walk beside us. And Father, we pray that you help us to rely more and more on him uh, and through him to love you more, to know you more, uh, and to serve you more as we seek to live for you. And Father, we pray that you will graciously, by your Holy Spirit, open the eyes of those people for whom we pray and those people we love who need to see uh, their need of salvation. Father, we pray that you'll open blind eyes uh, and help us uh, also to, to be part of that process of sharing what we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you that uh, you didn't leave us helpless, but you gave us the Holy Spirit to walk with us, uh, to comfort us, to strengthen us. We pray that we may be aware of his presence this week as we seek to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.